Welcome to a Millennial's Guide to Real Estate Investing. Here is your host, Antoine Martel. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to a Millennial's Guide to Real Estate Investing. Today, I have two special guests, Jack and Jeff, who are from the High Return Real Estate Guys. They're a turnkey real estate company um, out of Indianapolis, uh, Indiana. So welcome, guys, to the show. Thank awesome. you. Happy to be here. Yeah, thanks a lot. Excited no to talk to millennials. Great. <laughs> exactly. Um, so first of all, I guess, give us a little bit of background about uh, both of you, maybe just a little quick one-minute background for the people who don't know about you, and um, then we can go from there. Sure, yeah. I, um, so this is Jack. I started the company, uh, or started in business, I should say, about 20 years ago. I was a full-time college student, and another... Uh, college student was handing out flyers about a uh, opportunity in nutrition, uh, multi-level marketing company. So uh, grabbed that flyer from him and um, went to work. You know, I just <laughs> posted on Facebook that, you know, everybody's buying their lottery tickets for the $1.6 billion payout, right? And that flyer that he handed me was my lottery ticket because, and it came disguised as hard work and perseverance and lots of trials tribulations ups and downs you know running a um, building a business but you know that's i didn't leave it to to chance i i made it by design right so i don't know never played the lottery not interested want to grow things you know through uh just hard work and creating systems so then that business got uh, pretty you know big and over the last few years had some extra cash was looking for a way to deploy it, started investing into real estate, started with turnkey because that made the most sense with me not knowing a lot about it and not having much time. And uh, then, you know, long story short, I love the the whole model, started um, building my own business, referring clients in to my provider, and then uh, eventually started high return real estate, recruited Shekia, who was my former digital marketing coach in my nutrition company, and uh, we partnered up. And uh, now he is the CEO and running the show. So it's been great. Awesome. And and then yeah, Jeff. Yeah, uh, good job, Jack. <laughs> in a minute. I mean, I, there's never a, ever a time I'm going to do that in a minute. But, you know, I got close. Yeah. Good hey, enough. Uh, I'm feeling really good about myself right now. <laughs> uh, yeah, my name is Jeff Schechter. My friends call me Shecky. I've uh, been an entrepreneur my whole life, uh, raised by a clergyman, somewhat uh, kind of rebelled in my early years, uh, didn't do real well in school, had to learn how to be pretty scrappy, and that kind of pushed me into the world of business ownership and entrepreneurship, and it's done all kinds of crazy stuff, and uh, had a flipping business back before the last crash, but I, uh, over the last 10 years, got very, very curious about uh, digital marketing and the, the psychology of connecting with people online, just because the medium is so much different than traditional stuff that we had always been exposed to earlier, like radio and television, which is just really just you know, spraying a wide path and hopefully you've got the right people, but yeah. online you can just, just hone in and do things in a much more targeted way. And as Jack mentioned, um, I was consulting him in his other business and we had a really fantastic relationship. And, uh, obviously I had some background in real estate investing and businesses and systems and things like that. And, you know, it was just a really, really 
good synergy for you know what he was trying to do and and the direction that i was trying to go with kind of my next opportunity and you know just uh, good timing good energy good partnership and now we've got a, a really rock and turnkey business uh here in indianapolis so uh you know i'm very blessed that's awesome and then when so when did you guys you guys have been doing you know business together for many many years it sounds like but then when did you guys actually sit down and decide to start a turnkey company and kind of why why did you start it so early in 2016 um Jack reached out to me and said, hey, dude, I've been buying some properties in Indianapolis from this other provider. You know, I seem to be getting some pretty good returns. I'm selling some uh, stuff to some friends and family and things like that. And I, I think there's a business here. You know, may I book a call with you just to get some ideas as far as, you know, marketing and structure and, you know, could this even be a business? And I was like, you know, heck yeah, man. I mean, you know, you're there's no charge. Like you're Jack, like you're yeah. my favorite client, you know? So it's like, let's just get on the phone and brainstorm and see what comes out of that. And that was in the, the spring of 2016. And, um, that call was just, I remember it well, it was very amazing. Um, you know, either the energy was really good or I had too much coffee or whatever, but we were on the phone for <laughs> like three and a half hours. And I was just, I remember being kind of sweaty when I was done. And uh, I just as a courtesy, I had typed up, you know, the 10 or 12 major bullet points that had really come out of that conversation and emailed it off to him. And the very next day, he's writing me back going, OK, let's do it. And I'm like, let's do what? You know, like, <laughs> he's like, well, let's, let's let's partner up like there's a business like, you know, he I think Jack had a certain respect for, for me, for my marketing knowledge and, and work ethic and, and I clearly had a, tr a tremendous respect for him for his ability to grow businesses his work ethic and and really just his overall hustle and, and his code of ethics yeah and um, I just said you know yeah that's this probably makes sense I, I didn't realize at the time I was going to be leaving my you know cushy favorite city in the world Austin Texas to end up you know changing everything and move to Indianapolis Indiana but you know we we do things that uh are not expected and it's it's been a great adventure and we've been doing this in indy for a couple of years now and you know building out all of our teams and processes and it, it's been a, a, a fun ride awesome and then so was that so then i guess jack was there had you had done any any other rehab projects in the past in indianapolis or did you go straight from buying turnkey looking at the deals and then you saw some properties that needed a little bit of rehab work next to the ones you bought and you're like oh shit i can do this cheaper i don't need to you know pay for retail i can buy it at a wholesale price renovate it and then sell it to somebody else well it, that was more of a function of that transition of necessity more so than it was me wanting to go off on my own and create my own you know like acquisitions and rehab teams yeah our, our my original business partner who was who he did all the acquisitions and the rehabs and the tenant management he, he uh, I could there was just a lot of signs that he was imploding and I didn't like his organization system structure uh, just deep down in my gut I knew this was not a sustainable model the way he was doing it and I you know turned out to be right although I'm very very loyal so it took 
Shecky, you know, several conversations to say, dude, come on, man. Like, we got to go. We got to part ways and do our yeah. own thing. So that loyalty to a fault, right? So yeah. we, um, we started doing our own, you know, acquisitions and rehab and all that. And, you know, we, um, we did several deals that way. Um, we found, you know, lots of challenges in terms of eventually branching off on our own. We were inexperienced for one. So we didn't realize some of the dangers that we were up against with contractors taking advantage of us and, or just, you know, poor quality of work and such like that. So we are very integrous. We want to always make sure our investors are taken care of. So there were deals that where, you know, we didn't make any money, worked really hard, closed, you know, did a rehab closed the property, got the investor set up. And, you know, then we have to go back and fix things after the, the sale that legally uh, we were not any obligation to do so. But the way we want to grow our company is, you know, we were obligated to do it. So we'd go back and be taking care of, you know, diff different things that would come up that just weren't taken care of in the rehab. So yep. now, you know, that was, that was what we call high return real estate 2.0. And now we're on 3.0 and, <laughs> It's just a whole different ball game, and we're we're doing things, you know, really, really well and the right way. And so, I'm sure Shecky will kind of dive into more of that. But it's just been a, you know, just a series of, like, just learning how to get better and processes. Yeah. And at the end of the day, no matter whether we were high return 1.0, 2.0, or 3.0, our motto has always been, you know what? Let's always do the right thing. Let's exactly. always be let's always take care of our investor no matter what even if it's costly to us yep exactly yeah and i love to hear that i've, I've had a couple times um you know i've been in turnkey business to selling turnkeys the last couple of years as well um and there's been times where i've you know done done my full rehab placed a tenant on a one-year two-year lease whatever it may be and then i sell the property and then two weeks later you know something bursts right um and now my my client, which I told, hey, you won't have to do anything to the house in a year or two, and the tenant's going to be there. They're on a you know, a 12, 24-month lease, and then you know, two weeks in, they have a, a huge repair, like a pipe burst or, or something like that happens. Um, mm -hmm. And that's happened before, and it's nothing that we can, you know, something that we can do in our due diligence or through our inspection. And sometimes stuff is hiding behind the walls, and the only way you can get to it is by tearing down the walls, but it's way too expensive. Right. So. Sure. It's happened to me a couple of times, um, not very often, but we've gone and we've just told the our client be, and said, hey, this should have been handled through, you know, through our rehab. Sorry, it was not handled, but we'll take care of it. And our guys go and do the rehab. And, you know, we don't make we want our clients to have, you know, a turnkey experience. They just focus on getting the financing, saving up the down payment, and then they just collect their, their mailbox money every month. And they shouldn't have to deal with, especially in the first couple of weeks of buying a property, they shouldn't have to deal with the, you know, a, a big ticket item that, that needs to be replaced. So yeah. it's great we, to hear that. We totally agree. And trust me, that's happened to us more than a couple times. And, you yeah. know, it, you just can't do, like you said, there's not much you can do to foresee it. I mean, if you really wanted to make sure that every single property that that would never happen, like you said, yeah. it's going to get very costly to dig through all the walls and make sure all the electrical and plumbing is totally legit. So yeah. if you just take care of your clients, if the issue arises, then I mean, you're, you're going to create a long-term sustainable business doing the right thing. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, what's, 
that's what helped us. I mean, 80% of the deals I sell today are just from referrals or from repeat business. Um, I'm not sure what the number is for you guys, but it's been, you know, if you take care, you don't need, you don't need a thousand clients. You know, you need, you need 50 or 10 clients that are just going to keep coming back and are very happy with the way you guys do business and the way you treat them and all that kind of stuff. So that's at least my mentality. It's a lot easier and a lot less costly (laughs) to sell sell more to your current customer list than it is to go out and acquire a new one. Absolutely. For sure. Um, All right. Well, that's so then in terms of the turnkey properties that you guys are selling, um, you know, in terms of financing, property management, um, in terms of the property management first, I guess, do you guys own a property management company? Is it a third party company? How does that how does that work in, in your business? So I'll take that one, Jack. We um, we've sort of been through the whole graduation on the property management side. So, you know, initially we were doing our own uh, rehabs and all that kind of stuff. And we would work with a couple of different uh, local property management teams that we felt were of high integrity and and do a very good job. Um, and, and I still to this day feel like they do a really good job. The, the problem for us became is that the, the standalone property management teams Unfortunately, the only profit center they have is property management. Yeah. And so we are investors, you know, at the tenant turns and, you know, even just little service calls, we're just really getting charged, in, in our opinion, too much money. Not necessarily too much money for a, a professional property management team, but we, as we grew this out, we always had a desire to control the property management piece or have some sort of in-house solution and then uh, last year we partnered up with a couple of just really amazing guys that are you know born and raised here that have been in the space for a very long time and we knew them pretty well and we were actually they were actually doing some of our acquisitions and they owned a small uh, portfolio themselves that they were managing themselves and one of the two guys actually had a, a really really long history in property management most notably with actually a fairly large uh, turnkey operation that i won't name but they uh but had just a ton of experience that and we kind of had a meeting of the minds and agreed that it would be in everybody's best interest if we formed a property management division expressly to support our client base and so that happened i don't know probably the beginning of 2018 beginning of this year and that has been fantastic Uh, just because we have you know obviously we have more control over even just little things like service calls and that sort of stuff but um just really being able to control the entire client's experience all the way through the life cycle is really really valuable for us as a turnkey provider and obviously really really valuable for the uh for the the end buyer um, and they're getting obviously much higher cash flow as a result because we operate that division. We, we're not that concerned about profit in that division because all of us are working towards a situation where we're really rewarded financially on the sale of the property. Good. So everything is geared towards that and the investor really wins in that situation. Good. Yeah, that's exactly how I'm set up too, and that's what I tell my clients as well. They sometimes some people ask me how I make my money. It's like 
I I only make my money on you know selling the property and making the profit on that end. There's no residual income for me. Um, you know, the property management company is going to charge you 10% a month on, but I don't get any of that fee. There's no other fees that I get for referring you to the people I'm going to refer you to or sending you off to certain people. So I like to hear that as well. Um, how many how many properties does this property management company or this couple of guys manage right now? Um, I, Jack, you might know this better than me. I think we're at about 300 doors. Yeah, that's about right, Jack. Okay. 300 nice. i think it's 300 yeah total doors including multifamily. got it okay and then are they do they charge 10 percent? yes yeah got it all right 10 percent, cool. and then the first month is the lease up fee goes towards the lease up fee yep exactly all right and then do they have a do they set you up and your clients up with like a a portal do they use any kind of online mm-hmm. tracking portal and all that Yep, Appfolio. Okay, good. So the client client can see, you know, when rents are coming in and get a full reporting. All, everything is right there. Got it. Yeah, that's what our my property management companies that I use in all my markets, except for one, use Appfolio too, and it's super yeah. easy to track the income and and expenses for for your properties and all that kind of stuff. I really mm-hmm. like it. Yeah. Yeah, they they they've done a great job. They even like we're mostly in C class. Um, so, you know, obviously that, that tenant base is a little bit more uh, blue collar, a little bit more hand to mouth. Yep. And many of them like to pay in cash. And uh, they've even, uh, I don't know if it's through Appfolio or whatever, but they've even got a, a system where you can go out and get bonded. And, uh, and it creates a situation where the tenants can pay cash for their rent basically at any ACE check cashing or CBS or anything like that. And they're, yep. you know, they're just holding up a little, uh, square code on their smartphone and you know it, it registers the payment instantaneously and then the investor can see it through their portal so it's it's really a wonderful system gotcha awesome and then so you said c-class so <clears throat> i do a lot of c-class properties as well i'm kind of getting into the b class kind of space and you know i saw some properties on your website too anywhere from you know, $50,000 to kind of the $60,000 price range. And that's kind of where my sweet spot has been as well, um, or 60 or $70,000 price range. Um, so in terms of in terms of financing, do you help your clients get financing? Do you require them to use a certain bank? Uh, what have you found best uh, in terms of financing? <laughs> well, what we find best is that we just don't take financing. Um, we're, oh. we're selling. We're selling all of our properties all cash, and it's been actually when we made that decision, which was fairly early in our evolution, our business like quintupled uh, because it's uh, we're not waiting on you know the the whims of the uh, appraisers as you, <laughs> as yeah. you know, uh-huh. Antoine. Let's be let's be transparent here. I mean that can suck. Yep. And we, you know, you have a situation where you, depending on the appraiser, you have no idea what's going to happen. And, you know, different banks can act really quirky. And, you know, the other thing that we found, even with or without the appraisal situation, is that, you know, when you put a $50,000 deal on a banker's desk, it's sort of last in line behind anything that's $50,001 or higher. Yeah. There's just, <laughs> not, there's just not, they don't want to pay any attention to it. So we were originally writing up a bunch of deals and felt great about things because we were writing up deals, but you know, what the heck, nothing was ever closing. Yeah. So 
I mean, there was a few here and there, but it was just like, oh my God, this is just a, a grind to get it across the finish line. So what we did was we just said, hey, look, we're gonna we're gonna really get this thing dialed in, and we price our properties mm. all cash. So you know, like that same fifty thousand dollar property, just to use your number, yeah. and I'm not saying you because you're not competing in the same market, but many of our competitors here in Indianapolis would sell that exact same property for sixty to sixty-five thousand dollars. Yeah, that we're selling for fifty, uh, because we're not dealing with um, as long of hold times and things like that. We've got the model, uh, you know, pretty thin. And uh, that's just worked really, really well for us. And we do have a relationship with a couple of bankers that are really great on the cash out refis. And they have a couple of different options that, you know, yes, they're certainly gonna be dependent on uh, appraisal to a certain extent, but because it's a refi and the investor already owns the property for all cash, performance does come into play. And, you know, whether it's fully rented or not, comes into play as far as making a decision as far as you know what loan to values are going to be and things like that so yeah. we have plenty of investors that do that but I, interestingly to me i thought it would be a higher percentage i still i don't have any hard data on this but if i were to look at it i know the majority of our investors probably about 60 percent are not ever refinancing they're yeah. just need a good place to park their cash yep yeah good point i mean the biggest the biggest and only tie up of that's really slowing me down in my business is waiting on financing um sure and it's the most i mean it helps the returns <laughs> a whole lot cuz it goes from like a 9 or 10% cap rate all the way up to you know an 18 or you know 16% return when you look at the cash on cash um but again, I'm selling the properties at, at market value. I'm not selling them like you a little bit less than market value, um, which definitely will help the returns a little bit. Um, but I mean, the appraisals are the one thing that, you know, has been slowing me down. And there's, I have, you know, I have comps, but it doesn't really matter to the appraiser. It's all about what the appraiser thinks. And I've literally had appraisers, you know, give me appraisals for $40,000 when I've had $56,000 in a house and I'm trying to sell it for 70 and they're pulling comps at $20,000 that need $60,000 in work. And it's like, mm. this doesn't make any sense. And I've had to even stop relationships with certain bankers and certain banks in general, one of the big couple of banks, uh, just because they had this really bad appraiser list um, who kept on coming back with these terrible appraisers. And each one of those you know, cost me 600 bucks or cost my client 600 bucks to, to get out there and do an appraisal. So, um, so yeah, speaking of that, Antoine, just to kind of add on to what Shecky said, most of the deals like in our market for these C-class properties are being purchased by are off market by out of state investors. So when the appraiser goes in to pull comps, they're only pulling comps of things that were sold through the MLS within yep. a three mile radius. Yeah. you know, within the last year. And oftentimes, you know, they're not going into those prop They're, I mean, I'd say most of the time or all the time, even they're not going into the comp properties and checking out the condition. I mean, yeah. they could, they could be completely dilapidated needing, like you said, 30, $40,000, $50,000 worth of work. Yeah. And they're, and they're using that as a comp for our property yeah. that we just got totally renovated uh, performing new tenant in place, new lease, 
you know, we created some serious, serious extra value add, and yet we're getting comped on, yeah. you know, properties that aren't even in the same ballpark. So that was our frustration with, you know, with the playing the finance game. So we found a lot of luck. Our investors are having a pretty good success rate doing the um, post, you know, cash out refi. And that way they, they're not tying up our capital because we got to, you know, we got to keep volume moving to keep our business, make it survive and make it thrive. Yeah. We can't wait. We can't tie up a property for 60, 90 days waiting on the bank to get everything in order to, you know, to fund us out like that. That just destroys our model. So like Shecky said, when we just made the firm decision that it was no finance under any circumstances, it made a it just made a huge, huge difference in terms of, you know, us being able to open up the floodgates. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, and, we, we pissed some people off along the way, <laughs> but you know what? It just, it, we, we also attracted a different breed of client after that too. And that proved to be a really, really good decision. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Um, yeah, we're, we're starting to get a lot of, it may be just, it's more recent, but you know, even, even over the last year or so, we've had a lot of 1031 exchanges coming in okay. from people that are on the West Coast. That, yeah. You know, they're selling a property and like, wow, the market's really, really saucy here. You know, we've had a couple from Seattle. They're like, ah, I'm selling a property. You know, there's nothing here I can buy that makes any sense. So, yeah. you know, we, we want to come and invest, you know, in your market where it does make sense. So we're seeing a, a And then usually, typically, those are pretty pretty much all cash deals. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that can definitely make make the deals go faster if they're all cash. And, you know, I'm not sure if some of your clients probably do inspections on the property and some of them probably don't. And, you know, as long as the property's rented out and has its renovation completed, then, you know, people can close in a couple of days. There's not much other research that needs to be done. It's can be very quick without the, the whole financing, which for a new client could take 45 days. For an existing client could take, you know, 30 days for them to do their financing. Yeah, we, we actually uh, bring in a third-party inspector. So as part of our processes, in an effort to facilitate a good, smooth closing, we actually give clients, we're really transparent. So we have some documentation about, you know, like what to expect and, you know, managing expectations. But we give them copies of all of our contracts. We give them before-after pictures. We give them scope of repairs. Um, and we, we give them a one-year warranty on the property, on all the major operating systems, because we went through and checked it out. We call in a, there's a number of third-party inspectors that we use that we call in. They give us an inspection report, and then we send our teams back in to cure any of the items that, or at least worthwhile items uh, that come up on the uh, inspection report. And we have our team sign off on that, that that stuff was done. And then obviously we get with our property management team and they get at least up and all that. And then, and only then, is it made available for sale. So by the time an inspector is even, or an investor is even looking at our stuff, they're able to review everything. They're able to see that it's leased. They're able to see an inspection. They're able to see that the stuff on the inspection was cured. So we're putting them, and, and really ourselves to a certain degree, into a position where, like, look, it's, it's binary at this point, Mr. or Mrs. Investor. You either like it or you don't. If you don't, it's cool. It's no big deal. But we're basically handing you everything you could possibly ask for on a silver platter up front before you even ask for it. 
And, you know, that combined, you know, that, that tends to soften, I think, the blow a little bit of not being able to take financing because it's like, well, God, this is just so dang straightforward. It's like, and it's a pretty good deal on pretty much everything we put in front of investors, you know, cash on cash, even after all expenses, is double digit returns. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's pretty straightforward, you know, like either like it or you don't. And if you don't, it's cool, <laughs> uh, you know, because if, if not, like there's, you know, we got, you know, right now we got a backlog. I mean, there's, you know, five, six investors behind you that'll, you know, pick this up in five minutes if you don't want it. Yeah. 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 I love that you guys are also selling them with the renovation completed, with the tenant in place. Um, you know, Jack, I'm not sure when you were buying turnkeys, if that's what that turnkey operator was doing, but a lot of my clients have came from, you know, other turnkey providers and they come to me, they're like, wait, you sold the property with its renovation completed and with the tenant in place and I could see the lease. And I'm like, yeah, you don't. And because with the other providers, they were selling them you know, vacant properties, maybe the renovation was complete, but they were selling them vacant and then they would have to wait a month or two months before the property was, was rented out. Then they had to pay that first month leasing fee and then they were starting to cash flow. So for me, I was like, well, I'll just eat up that time. I'll pay for the leasing fee. You guys just get the property with a tenant in place and, you know, cash flow from day one is kind of what I keep telling my clients. Um, you know, you're buying sure. this property and gonna, from day one, you're going to be making you, your mailbox money. Well, yeah, what you just described to me is actually really the definition of turnkey. I know there's different versions and, and everybody has, uh, you know, kind of their different spin on it, depending on how they want to, uh, you know, market and, and purpose themselves. But in all reality, if you're really buying a turnkey property, it is it's done, completely done and leased up and it's ready from day one. Yeah. When originally when I started buying, I was buying properties that even needed, you know, a thirty, forty thousand dollar rehab. You know, they needed a, a, a you know monster rehab with that. When I would do that, I would get a discount uh, to make up for the the hold costs. Right. Or should say lack of holding costs. So for instance, you know, instead of uh, buying a property where the, you know, the provider had to rehab it and put in, you know, a new tenant in place and all that holding cost time that they incurred, yeah, they would, they'd be selling it to me before that all happened. And in, in, in lieu of that, give me a discount. And we used to, we started our company off doing the same thing. But what we found was that it just puts too much stress and pressure yeah. on both the investor and on us because it never gets done on the time frame that we all think it should be done, right? <laughs> yep. so, so then the investor's like, why is this not done yet? What's going on? Why am I not cash flowing? You know, they're starting to get antsy. They're starting yeah. to get stressed. And then that caused us to get, you know, like feel the pressure. And then we're not enjoying this business. So we just said, you know what? Forget all that. We're just gonna make a, you know, bottom line resolution. We're not selling it until it's done, until it's leased up, and it's created such a, a much a much better experience for everybody involved. Yeah. No, absolutely. And well, and think about customer experience, right? I'm sorry to interrupt, but think no about worries. customer experience. Like that's when they're. I mean, I'm a marketing guy, right? So that that's when they're when they're hottest. Like they just bought, right? They're super giddy. They're super excited. Even. Even a seasoned investor, that's still when they're the most excited. 
And that next 90, 120, you know, 180 days, what happens and things are smooth and cash flow, like that, that's everything. That, that's what's going to frame their opinion of the entire experience. And, you know, we, we see it over and over and over again. If, if, that, if that first 90 days, they have a very positive experience, that we don't even have to ask them to buy more properties. They're coming back to us and going, hey, what do you got? What do you got? What do you got? Because yeah. it seems to me like, especially in the cash only business, uh, the ones that buy from us, you know, one or two to start with are usually just trying us on. And they're, you know, they're wanting to see how good a job we do, how professional we are and that sort of stuff. And assuming that there's a level of trust built with that first deal or two, uh, it can potentially open up the floodgates to a lot of other business. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and a lot of these people, too, is what I've found is once you sell a property to somebody, you treat them right and they have success as they tell all their friends. I mean, especially if you're selling to people on the coast like I am, um, where a lot of my clients are and. Um, a lot of these people love to talk about, you know, if somebody, if somebody says, yeah, I bought a, I bought a house in Indianapolis to their friend at lunch or dinner or whatever it may be. It's, you know, the other person's reaction is what you bought a house in Indianapolis. Why the hell did you do that? And then, you know, they talk about it for, for an hour and a half. And then that friend ends up buying a house in Indianapolis as well. And it's happened a lot of times because it's just such a, it's such a for somebody who who's not into real estate or doesn't know it um, would never think of buying a house sight unseen in Indianapolis or in any you know in any market in the Midwest. So it's such a great conversation starter. The it really helps that message spread to friends and and other referral business. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, definitely great to open up a conversation with the shock film. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, and then, so, okay, so that answers that. And then I saw that you guys do a lot of, I'm looking at your website right now and you guys have some, a lot of two bedroom, one bath houses. So what do you guys, I've typically tended to stay away from, from those properties. I've done a couple of them, but I typically do three, one or three, two or higher. Um, what are your guys thoughts or feelings about the, the two, one? You know, that's a great question. I mean, I can understand the, you know, the position, but, you know, we lease those up within a week. Yeah. You know, they, they lease up very well and perform very well. So, you know, the one, the like a one, one single, you know, we don't really see too many of those come through. We would tend to avoid those, but yeah, yeah there's a huge market, uh, at least in what we found in C-Class for a two, one. And, you know, of course the three ones, three twos those are absolutely gonna be the most in demand yeah but yeah i mean the two ones uh, it's almost like coming our bread and butter yeah the other thing you have to look at too antoine is you know in, in being in this sort of lower price all cash business you know we can pick up a two one for obviously less money than a three one or a three two yeah and it seems to me like there's there's a different price point like a lot of our two ones will sell finish to the investors you know with a with a warranty and tenanted and everything in the mid 40s and it's just pretty much impossible to do that with a three one or a three two yeah so no, you know, we do get a little bit less rent for those, obviously, but price to rent ratios are nearly identical. And, you know, for that person that is just trying us out or just, you know, scratching to get into that one property, sometimes that difference between, you know, say 46,000 and 54,000 
could be all the difference between them being able to do business right now or having to wait another six months. Yeah. So, you know, we like having that stuff in our inventory as well. And like Jack said, we, at least in in our world, and, and, you know, look, maybe that's just a function of a a really solid property management team. But we have, you know, as long as the property is, you know, rehab nicely and, you know, all the systems are working and, you know, the heat's on and good water pressure, you know, all the the stuff that tenants are looking for, we we have no problems at all getting those rented. Yeah. Yeah, for us too. I mean, so we, I do again do a lot of three ones, and we're able to rent those those babies out in a week as well. Um, yeah. And I mean, the two, the couple of two ones I've done too. I mean, I've been able to rent them out for, you know, of course less rent, but same amount of time period. It hasn't been sitting on the market for a long amount of time, probably a week or week and a half as well. Um, but just it's just a question that I get asked a lot by by my clients. They just don't like two ones. Maybe it's because some, something that they wouldn't live in. Um, but it's kind of uh, about their mindset and making the mindset mindset shift to to kind of this is not a house that you're that you're going to live in or ever going to live in. It's an investment and it needs to be non emotional and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. Well, I, you, you bring up an interesting point. I think. Well, very much, you know, all of us and investors included are very much influenced by realtor speak. And, you know, we've probably all heard, you know, all the other platitudes, you know, oh, your home is going to be the biggest investment, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But one of the other things that we've heard often is never buy, never buy a 2-1 because they're just super, <laughs> they're super hard to resell. resell. Yeah. Right. But again, that's just framed around the whole world of the MLS. Like when when you when you take you know regular market stuff out of play, and, and you know we're off market, and we're only you know like our own micro investor community. Uh, you know the only thing that we really have to appeal to is a tenant base. Yeah. And you know we've even had you know investors that said, hey, you know like I'm in a pickle. I need really need to generate some cash. You know when we. We've helped a couple of investors here and there to, you know, sell back properties through our network. It's not something we we want to do, obviously, but we're always going to do what we can to help an investor. But it's no problem. Like for us to sell a two one, yeah, it'll, yeah. it'll be gone in a few days. Like it's not it's not the MLS. Yeah, and it's not. So I think for anybody listening to that to this, it's an important uh, distinction to say, hey, you know, it, there is a big difference between thinking like an investor and thinking like a retail customer. Yep, exactly. Yeah, very good point. Um, I didn't really think about think about that, but that's definitely something that that makes sense. And you know, when people think of real estate, they think of realtors and they they think of owning a home. They don't. Many people don't think about investing first, um, which is a uh, something a big. Again, it's all about the mindset and what what information you have and who's that information coming from. Um, so how are you guys finding your deals right now? Um, I tell my you know followers and millennials who are looking to get into real estate all the time that I get 80% of my deals still from the MLS. The other percentage is from just off-market relationships or from wholesalers. But how are you guys finding finding the majority of your deals right now? I think it's pretty similar to what you're doing. It's probably not skewed that high towards the MLS, but there's certainly you know, we certainly get things off the MLS. Um, we actually have an acquisitions team uh, that kind of runs all of that so that we can be more stay in our lane, which is focused on marketing and sales and, and you know, bringing in new investor capital. 
so we have a great team. You know, that's the only way that we've been able to do the kind of volume that we're able to do. So to answer the question on his behalf, uh, Kevin is our head of acquisitions. He does, um, you know, it is MLS. He has uh, other wholesalers that he buys from that mail out, you know, 30,000 postcards a month. Oh, wow. Um, he does, uh, you know, from estate type sales. There's also relationships that he's been doing this for 20 years with hedge funds that, you know, come in and out of the market because typically they don't make it work <laughs> with the way they want to do the model. Yeah. And so most of those are, are the bulk of, of how we're getting the properties. So it's usually, you know, they're all pretty much, I'd say not all, but most of them are distressed properties to a certain extent. Yeah. You know, it could be distressed where it only needs three or four or $5,000 worth of work. But to the uh, owner of that property, you know, they oftentimes they don't have that cash to inject it back into it to get it back, you know, yeah. up to speed, up to performing status. Yep. So, you know, we get to come in and buy it at a discount. And that's how our, you know, that's how we, we make our money is buying things at, at a discount. Uh, you know, we're not we're not making our money by buying things at full retail price <laughs> and then marking them up again. You know, yeah. it's, it's typically we're finding those deals and there's still, you know, the market is getting a lot tighter. Indianapolis has definitely gentrified over the last three years. It continues to get, uh, you know, become more and more attractive to out-of-state investors. So prices are definitely going up. Deals are getting harder to to come by but uh you know we we definitely there's still deals to be to be found and we put ourselves out there so people know that you know we're going to close quickly with cash so we're very attractive as a place to you know for people to sell their properties off got it yeah if i could just put an asterisk too on what jack said i think some of our there's, there's two advantages that we have right now that's maybe over other turnkeys that are trying to come into play or even just, you know, mom and pop operations that are trying to do similar stuff is that we're buying in quite a bit of volume right now. So when you add that volume factor in and the fact that we're paying all cash, I mean, it, it says a lot to the sellers yeah. and, you know, we're able to get better deals that way than even many of our competitors. Um, and Jack kind of touched on it, but oftentimes those relationships with the hedge funds are really, really valuable uh, because, you know, we may go in and buy, you know, 15, 20 doors at a time that, you know, for them, they're not, they're not really the owners. I mean, they're just kind of guys that are moving bricks and sticks and numbers around. Yeah. And it's like, these are not performing. So, okay, we'll just offload them to these guys and, you know, we may take a loss on the books, whatever, but they're, they're, they don't have any emotional investment in the sale. Um, unlike maybe a distressed seller. So it's th those are the kinds of things that I feel not only set us apart, but continue to help us stay ahead of the game and do a better job for our investors ultimately uh, because we have some of these systems in place that others don't. Got it. And then if I, <laughs> so I've never bought anything from hedge funds. I've done stuff from banks and stuff like that, but have you guys had that relationship with the hedge fund through your acquisition manager, Kevin, or how are, is there any other way to yeah. get in touch with these hedge funds? Uh, God, I don't know the answer to that. Like yeah. for us, it's, it's Kevin. Uh, and he's like, he's had that, these relationships for years and, uh, he has actually been involved in supplying some of the other turnkeys over the years before we actually partnered up with those guys. So, you know, we, part of the reason for us, 
you know, being very excited about that partnership is just those relationships and systems and things that those guys bring to the table because we, you know, we have the ability now to have this incredible synergy between us that, that helps everybody. Yeah. So I don't necessarily know how to advise you like in, you know, in the Cleveland market or in the Memphis market or whatever, but yeah. you know, I, they're out there. I, yeah. I think it's just a matter of, you know, researching and calling and, you know, flying in and buying them lunch and schmoozing them and, yeah. you know, start developing yeah. the relationships. But I think it's a good resource. Yeah, absolutely. All right. And then how many, so how many properties are you guys doing per month? Do you guys put all of your deals on your website? Um, it's so hard to keep up with the website that's why i'm laughing it's like we 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 we're as of this current recording we've got about you know 10 properties that were just aching to cross the finish line you know like they're just nearing inspection and getting rented up and all this other kind of stuff and literally we have a, a backlog right now of investors just waiting to be handed deals so will any of those make it to the website is sort of the million dollar question like yes maybe if we can get our tech guy to you know put them up there quick enough and we will try and throw one or two of them up there just so we're kind of refreshing the content on the website yeah uh but you know as you know from being in this business Antoine, it's it's a relationship business and you know many of our deals are happening after a two or three telephone conversations with an investor and it's like, hey, look, this one's just getting ready to cross the finish line. Let me send you the folder on it. And, you know, this guy takes a look at it and 20 minutes later, he's ready to, to sign a purchase agreement. No, that doesn't mean he made his decision in 20 minutes. It just means we've already, you know, we're pretty clear on what he's looking for and he's pretty clear on what we can provide. And because he's had an opportunity to, to preview all of our paperwork and systems and all that other kind of stuff, he's already pretty comfortable with what he's seeing. Yep. So that's just a situation where, you know, like even in our purchase agreement, we tell people, look, we still need the right to be able to throw this property up on the website, even if you've signed a purchase agreement on it, because sometimes we just need stuff to put up there. Um, so it's been difficult for us to have our website be accurate. Um, we, uh, to answer your other question, I don't think it's very, very difficult, assuming we can find the inventory for us to do 15 or 20 deals in a month. You know, Jack and I have some very, very big goals and, you know, we also have a podcast and, and we really believe probably like you do that, you know, we want to become a, you know, a serious player nationally and be known nationally, not necessarily outside having deals outside of Indy. Uh, but there is, because of our relationships and what we do, there's plenty of more inventory and more opportunity for us to do, do things here. Yeah. And we are looking at other markets, but we really believe we can be doing 40, 50, 60 deals a month consistently. We're just, you know, you have to put the systems in place to do that, and that's what we're building right now. Yeah. Yeah. To answer your question specifically, like last month, I think we closed eight. Eight were closed and funded. We've had a, a big as, as big as thirty in one month this year. Wow. And we've had maybe a month where, you know, we're putting out new systems in place, you know, to transition in. So maybe, maybe had two or three. So I'd say on average for for the course of the year, I think. We're probably around the eight mark. We've done somewhere in the neighborhood. I think about we've closed seventy deals this year. Wow, that's awesome. 
so yeah we we were like that's eh, okay we could have done 150 right is what we're yeah. telling ourselves but we just we just know antoine that you know and i'm not saying this to brag i don't i don't mean it to come off like pompous we are capable of doing so much more yeah and you know from being in your position when you have something of value like you say to an investor look i'm like you say you're cash flowing from day one and we're putting a lot of effort and systems and things into place to hand you, Mr. Investor, something on a silver platter, so so you can have lunch on the beach in LA and tell your friend about how you you know you bought a property halfway across the country, yeah. right? And it, and not only can you sound cool, but you are cool because it was actually a smart investment, and yeah. you had guys like us doing all the freaking heavy lifting for you. Yeah. So it's a really, really good value proposition on both sides of the equation, both for, for us, the sellers, and and the investors, the buyers. Um, but because there's so much value on both sides, there's no reason that any of us, given the right systems, couldn't be doing 40, 50, 60 deals a month. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's the one big drawback for me is um, is just finding those deals. I mean, I have... I'm in a couple of different markets, but it's just been very difficult. I don't have any acquisitions manager or anything like that. It's kind of just all me and my relationships on the ground, which are, you know, with the realtors, property managers, wholesalers, et cetera. Um, but it's just like this year alone, I think I've done 30 deals. Um, but of course yeah, I'd like fantastic. to, yeah, but I'd like to do, you know, <laughs> I'd like to do 10 deals a month as well. The only, and I have, you know, the funding available, the I have, like you said, like a backlog of of clients who want to buy these properties, all that kind of stuff. The only the only thing has just been the getting the amount of inventory required to to get to that that number. It, yeah, it you know it's such a balancing act, right? You're like it's like you're on a teeter totter. You know, yeah. you got one time you got you know more inventory available than <laughs> yeah. you do have investors, and then you know it flips the other way, and now you have you know, no inventory and you've got, you know, five or 10 people clamoring for property. It's, yeah. it's, it's always probably going to be that way. Just trying to always balance out that supply and demand. And it's never going to really, it's never, you're never going to reach equilibrium in it. You know, yeah. it's never, it's never going to be perfect. So, you know, you just, you know, just keep balancing it out and doing the best you can. Right. And yeah. for you to do 30 though, I mean, you don't, you know, that's you on your own, right? You don't have a business partner. No, I mean, my great. my dad is involved yeah. a little bit, but he has a full time job, so he kind of helps with, with yeah, certain man. aspects. You're, but yeah. you're doing fantastic. I mean, <laughs> essentially, I mean, that's what Shecky and I are doing individually. I mean, we did seventy split. That's thirty five each. True. Good point. Yeah. I mean, so you're doing, yeah, definitely doing a great job. Thank you. Awesome. Well, we're getting close to the hour mark, so we can wrap it up. Um, is there any way for people to get in touch with you, maybe to learn a little bit more about Indy, about the properties that you guys have available? Yeah, it's uh, highreturnrealestate.com, spelled just like it sounds. Um, we put our whole model up there. Um, just, you know, with the big disclaimer, based on what I already said, the <laughs> inventory that shows on the property page may not accurately reflect what we currently have. Uh, but 
but that said, we certainly will, you know, we can find stuff. So it, it's not a problem. And, and I want to say too, and Antoine, I'm, I'm appreciative of being able to have such a frank conversation with somebody else who is pretty much exactly on, in our space and, yeah. you know, really, uh, understands many of the, uh, challenges that, <laughs> and it's not an easy business. No. Um, you know, Jack and I have often joked that, you know, like, you know, you know, we got started basically just kind of almost being like a sales and marketing arm for somebody else. Yeah. And uh, we often joke and say, you know, like, gosh, if we knew what we were getting into, there's no way on God's green earth we would have <laughs> ever gone into this business. Right. Yeah. Because it's, it's thankless. You yeah. know, it's uh, you do everything for the investor and they still, you know, they want more. Yeah. Um, so. It, so we share, you know, in, uh, you know, some of your uh, excitement over what you have done, some, you know, some of the misery and some of the challenges that, that you that you have gone through. Like it's uh, it's awesome to hear your story and it's awesome to be able to uh, share on the same level. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you guys are the first turnkey company that I've had on here and, um, you know, you guys aren't, aren't in the same market as I am or anything like that. But, yeah, I mean. It's been great to ch chat with you guys. I could probably talk with you guys another hour about other things too, but <laughs> we can bring you on again in a couple of months and and chat again and see you know where your business is maybe early next well, year. We should have you on our show and we'll continue the conversation. Absolutely, there. let's do it. Yeah, and and dude, if you're ever in Indy, you know by all means, you know like dinner's on me, you know, and we'll, <laughs> uh, we'll definitely swap some war stories. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And thanks for your kind words as well. And, you know, I'm very impressed with what you guys have done um, as well the last couple of years. And I hope you guys can get your goal of a thousand doors a year. And, uh, and then, um, but yeah, thanks for, thanks for coming on the show. It was great to have you. Great to talk with both you, Jack and Jeff. Um, hope to have you on soon. And for everybody who's listening, who wants to learn more about Jack and Jeff and High Return Real Estate, you can go to their website, highreturnrealestate.com. Uh, they have some properties available, but to get on the, the insider list, I think you should fill out the form and give them your email address to get those other deals. Yeah. Cool. Thanks, guys. Thank you Thanks, so Antoine. Much. Enjoyed it. Yeah, appreciate it. No problem. Have a good one.